your Locked On Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. I'm your host, Zeke Boyat, and today we're going to be answering a few of the mailbag questions that you all sent my way over the last day or so. And I guess before we start that, I just want to remind you all to uh, subscribe on your podcast platform to the show if you haven't. If you hit that subscribe button to Locked On Wild, you'll get the show every day as it comes out, uh, no problems whatsoever. So make sure to subscribe and listen to the show every day. And like I said, today we're going to be getting into answering some of your mailbag questions on the Minnesota Wild on a very variety of topics, including prospects and, you know, that kind of thing mostly. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think I think it'll be fun for all of us, and I hope you guys enjoy my answers. But before we get into the mailbag, I guess I just kind of want to note that uh, next, I think Monday on the 16th, is when the new NHL reverse retro jerseys are expected to be introduced or released to the public uh, for sale and to just know what they look like. So, you know, it'll be very interesting to see what the Wild do there. I mean, you know, in that little Adidas preview clip, we kind of saw number 78 jersey with little green and gold kind of on the back. And a lot of people have thought the 78 will mean they're kind of going to model their jerseys after the colors and designs on the 1978 Minnesota North Stars uniform. And, you know, that's relevant because we've already heard a few different times that they plan on doing kind of a North Stars themed wild kind of jersey for their retro reverse jersey. So it'll be very interesting to see that. I've seen a couple designs, you know, like where they have the script M from the script jerseys on the front instead of the wild logo, and which personally I think looks a little better. I mean, the script M, you know, if you put it on there, it's green and gold. It looks almost like the North Stars logo with without being the North Stars logo and still being, you know, easily identifiably a wild logo. So you know, I think, you know, those kind of designs and concepts seen are really cool, but it'll be very interesting to see uh, what the jerseys look like. And I'm, we will talk about it next week when those come out. So, so let's just get into your questions right away for this mailbag. And the first one comes from Nick Lane at Nick443 on Twitter. And he asks, player comparisons for Marco Rossi, Ryan O'Rourke, Kirill Kaprizov, and Murat Kuznodinov. And I guess, you know, first off, we'll start with them up with a little bit with Marco Rossi you know Marco Rossi obviously the big number one draft pick this past year by the wild number nine overall and we all kind of wanted him before the draft he was the guy we were kind of looking forward to uh unfortunately you know we didn't think he'd fall though but he ended up falling you know he went to the not eight seven eight nine and then he got there and him and Cole Perfetti were there the wild went with Rossi and obviously you know we're all happy about that he's you know arguably the wild's best prospect now and You know, the thing about Rossi is he's a center, but he's not all that big or tall, excuse me, I should say tall, at only 5'9". And, you know, a lot of people will point to that and say, hey, can a guy who's 5'9 be a number one center or be a top center in the National Hockey League? And while I can understand the concerns, you know, of a guy who's 5'9 and, you know, can he play that number one center position into into the regular season, into the playoffs consistently like that? I mean, who knows? But personally, I mean, when you look at just... How strong he is. I mean, I think he's almost 190 pounds. He's very, he's very, very strong. I mean, you listen to his interviews after the draft, watch all these videos on his social media, his agent social media, wherever. He's worked very, very hard. I mean, this is a guy that has not taken a day off since the pause of last season started way back in March. And he's been working every day to strengthen himself and to, pr- to improve his strength, his ability, his agility, his endurance, everything. And he's, you know, I mean, you can just watch him play. I mean, you can tell that he's not a guy who gets pushed off the puck easily and obviously has the offensive skill in terms of the passing to him, uh, you know, to produce plays, drive play. And also, I mean, he's not 
I wouldn't call him a great goal scorer, but he did score 39 goals last year in the OHL. So, you know, you know, he can score too. And I guess also just mentioned in the OHL last year, 120 points, 56 games with the Ottawa 67s. And I guess for the type of player I think he's going to be, you know, I think it, this is kind of difficult because, you know, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of player comparisons either that like some people are because it's kind of placing maybe unfair expectations on a player. And also, I mean, no two players are the same. I mean, even if they do seem the same, they're just not, I mean, there's different personality things, different types of play that are different. So, you know, this is a little difficult, but I'm going to definitely kind of answer the question here, but for Rossi, I think he's a bit of a Patrice Bergeron. And now that's kind of reached for the stars. Like, you know, we shouldn't expect him to be Patrice Bergeron right away or even be at that level for his whole career. But I think there's a lot of similarities there. I mean, number one, you know, both highly offensive skilled, both can drive play. I mean, Rossi, a great passer. Bergeron, he's scored a few more goals, I think, you know, as a little bit better of a shooter than Rossi is. But, you know, both highly offensive, offensively gifted. They can both drive play. I mean, we've seen Bergeron for years. He's been a, a Selkie winner, a forward who's consistently scored, you know, 25, 30 goals and 60 to 70 points, including a very good last couple of seasons. So I think Patrice Bergeron is kind of a kind of comparable or comparison for Rossi in the sense that they're both skilled uh, offensive centers who can drive play, who can make plays up the ice, but they're also both very good in their own end and can play very well defensively and get back and play the two-way game that is needed at the centers while also being pretty good on face stuff. So I think that's a good comp for Rossi. And then I guess for Ryan O'Rourke, you know, he's a bit of a kind of piss and vinegar defenseman, you know, old style and new style mixed together defenseman who has got a pretty good shot. Uh, And, you know, I think he does the underrated part of O'Rourke's game is that he does have a pretty good offensive game. I mean, he, the numbers don't look all that impressive in the OHL last year with 37 points, seven goals in the 54 games played for the Sioux Greyhounds. But from everything I've read and the clips I've watched, you know, he does have a pretty heavy shot and he can move the puck fairly well. He just didn't really get a lot of opportunity to seem on the power play and to, you know, to play offensive because he was, you know, trying to get back on D because I don't know if his team was all that great last year. So, you know, I definitely think his offense is a little bit underrated. But I mean, like I said, he's a very physical kind of defenseman, stay at home too. He can agitate, he can get up in your face. And, you know, I think that's kind of what the Wild are missing a little bit. I mean, we all know how great their defense is. I mean, it consistently, you know, by all the numbers, metrics possible, they, they limit the amount of scoring chances and shots from prime areas uh, consistently in their own end. And they're great. I mean, Suter, Spurgeon, Brody, and Dumba, all great players. But I think what they they were, you know, those a lot of those guys, you know, they're not, I wouldn't call them overly physical. I mean, yeah, a guy like Dumba can hit, but none of those guys are kind of that, you know, have that old school kind of edge to them where they're in your face and they can, you know, rough you up and, you know, play the body a little more and be a little more physical. So I think that they identified that they were missing that in O'Rourke. And, you know, I guess for player comparable, I mean, I had a hard, tough time with this because, you know, I couldn't really think of any, but I think one, this is a little bit of a rough comparable, could be Colton Pareko of the St. Louis Blues. And, you know, I mean, obviously O'Rourke is not going to have the size of Colton Pareko at six six six. But and he's not a right shot like Preko, but I think there's similarities in that Preko has a pretty good heavy slap shot. He's great defensively. He can play the body, and he's just an all-around great defenseman. And I think O'Rourke has some similar, uh, similar types to his play. That you know, like I said, good shot. He can move the puck pretty well, and is just overall a very good defensive defender who can get in your face and can play physical and can throw the body around. And like I said, a little bit mix of that old school and new school kind of defenseman. Again, a little bit of a rough comparable there for O'Rourke and Colton Pareko, but I think their kind of play style is definitely similar. And that's kind of what we could see O'Rourke translate to in the NHL in the next few years eventually. So uh, Nick, I guess we got two more player comparables from Nick's question here, and I will get up get to those in the next segment on Lockdown Wild. 
If you're like me, the last few months you've had a hard time getting up each day to getting motivated to work, to work out, to go to school, to do whatever, especially when you've been working at home for the last few months. Well, what if I told you if you could break through your wall with Built Go? Built Go is the healthy replacement for your energy drink. But the fact is that the energy is not fake. It's lasting and natural. And, you know, like I said, whether it's a mental or physical wall, you can break through it with Built Go every day. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, your backpack, take it wherever you go. And it's the best, you know, I think it's the best workout gel on the market. I mean, it's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling at the end. And it also has lots of natural ingredients such as B6 and B12 and B3 vitamins that, uh, you know, you can, it tastes good and it gives you that boast of energy, but you can also feel better about what you're putting in your body because it definitely is more natural and healthier for you. And, you know, there's three delicious flavors such as peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. So, you know, not only do they taste good, they're healthy. And just overall, you know, it also contains collagen protein, which absorbs fast into your body and is easy on the stomach. And just overall, built go very good workout gel for you. I mean, it tastes great. It's got great flavors, but it's also very healthy for you. And with many of us needing a little bit of a boost sometimes in the morning to get going and to break through our wall, built go is the perfect product. Uh, for that need so you can go to builtgo.com and use the promo code locked and you'll get 20% off your or next order again use promo code locked for 20% off at builtgo.com let's go and we're back here on lockdown wild continuing to answer your mailbag questions on this mailbag episode and we're just about partway through nick lane's question of asking for player comparisons for some of the Wilds' prospects. And so next up, we have the, obviously the very famous in Minnesota, Kirill Kaprizov, the Russian dynamic goal-scoring forward who five years after being drafted over by the Wild, actually just a few week, couple weeks over after five years being drafted by the Wild, was finally signed to an entry-level contract by the Wild this summer. Uh, two years, but the first year burned off, so it was one year left. But he has been an absolute breakout star in the KHL since he was 18 years old. I mean, he's played in, he's played six full seasons there going back to 2014-2015. You know, he, the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, you look up like the top 10 U20 scoring seasons and 22 scoring seasons in KHL history. He has three of the top 10, including the top scoring one from this last year where he had 33 goals, 62 points in 57 games. I mean, he's led the KHL in goals the past two years which is, again, something that doesn't really happen ever with young players like that. So, you know, I don't, I'm not going to get too much into Kaprizov like that. We all know, I know how good he is, you know, how that works. So that's we're not going to get too much into that. But as for the type of player he is, I mean, we all know he's a, he's a goal scorer, but I wouldn't say that he has a particularly, you know, hard or dynamic shot, I guess is how I would say. Like, he doesn't have the booming shot that a guy like, a, like an Ovechkin or someone like that, I mean, who does, obviously, but... I think you get the point is that his shot is not particularly overwhelmingly hard or great. It's good. And he's very smart. And I think that's kind of what uh, sets him out is just how smart he is with the puck and offensively talented he is. And I think a good comparison, while again, these are, you know, not exact is the Vladimir Tarasenko, a fellow Russian forward of St. Louis blues, who despite dealing with injuries the past couple of years has been a very consistent and very good goal scoring winger who has consistently put up uh, 30 to 40 goals in his six, seven years in the NHL. And, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of similarities there because I don't think Tarasenko, I mean, I could be totally wrong here, but from what I've watched him before, I don't think he has a particularly hard shot or like this booming slap shot, but he's very smart, very shifty and has great hands and can, you know, move into tight spaces and, make, and create scoring chances for himself out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, is also a decent pass for himself. So 
I think Vladimir Tarasenko is a fairly good comparable for Kaprizov. I mean, you know, aside from the Russian thing, which is not really in, taken into consideration here, but they are both, you know, goal scorers. They're both very smart. They can both, they both have very good hands in tight and when they're close to the net in the offensive zone. And they, you know, just, just, just a very talented and dynamic offensive players with a solid shot and they can place it pretty much and score from pretty much wherever in the offensive zone. So that's a comparison for Kaprizov and Tarasenko there. And the last uh, player that Nick asked me to put a comparison for is Murat Kuznodinov. And this one's a bit difficult because, you know, from what I've seen, I think Kuznodinov does have the potential to be potentially a second line center, but I think he's, you know, more likely kind of a third, you got third line center guy who, you know, this, the strength of his game is he's very fast and he's a very good playmaker. And, you know, I've seen some highlights, including some of his recent games where he's scored a goal or two where he's, you know, got great hands and can make quick moves in tight to, by the net. And so, he, you know, he's been very impressive. Uh, but I do think he's more of a playmaker. And I do think he is, you know, he's obviously he's very speedy and he plays center. Two things the Wild have desperately needed the past couple of years. So he could definitely be, he's a bit of a project, but I think he'd be a good player. And I think, for the comparison for Kuznadinov, you know, I this is a little hard, but I went with a little more fast, a little more skilled version of Jules Eriksenak. Now, everyone knows that Jules Eriksenak is a great defensive center, and despite he hasn't really scored all that much in his NHL career yet, and I don't know how much he will, he does have some offensive talent and does have a decent wrist shot. So I think Kuznadinov just has a little bit more of a potential edge on the speed there and with his playmaking ability. Now, again, I you know this is these are player comparison so it's not you know exact but i think that uh kuznadinov has the potential to be kind of an erickson type third line center except with a little more speed to his game and a tiny bit more skill and more you know dynamic playmaking ability and we'll you know we'll see that over the next couple years but i think uh kind of a like i said a little bit better of a jewel erickson is a good comparison for kuznadinov and kind of a reasonable expectation for him once he gets to the nhl and so uh, just uh, thanks again, Nick, for, Nick Lane, for your question. And uh, the next question we got for this mailbag episode is from Kaprizov Club at Kaprizov Club on Twitter. And he asks, do you think Brennan Minnell will ever play another game for the Wild? Now, this has been an interesting story to follow over the last, uh, you know, kind of month or two as uh, Brennan Minnell has had a couple very good years in Iowa as an offensive defenseman after being signed as an undrafted free agent out of the WHL by the Wild. And he, you know, for whatever reason, and maybe it was because he didn't see an opportunity soon on the Wild's right side. And I mean, you can't really blame him there, but he did. He left instead of re-signing with the Wild as a restricted free agent. He left to sign a one-year deal with Dynamo Minsk in the KHL. And so far in the KHL this year, he's been fantastic and is one of the. I think he might be the top-scoring defenseman over there. But in 15 games played, he has three goals, 13 assists for 16 points. And you know, I mean, if he just if he continues that up, his stock will go up. Whether he's going to sign with the Wild or sign with another team, or, you know, he's going to get another chance in the NHL if he keeps this up. So, I mean, just, you know, like I said, a very de- very good, smart offensive player. He played, did play five games in the NHL with the Wild last year, but kind of in a sheltered role, so you didn't really get to see what he was all about. But as for whether he'll play another game for the Wild again, I mean, they do technically, they are going to, they do still hold his rights, I believe. So I think that does help them here is that, hey, if he wants to come to the NHL next season, you know, he's going to either have to ask for a trade and they'll have to be willing to do that. Or he'll just have to not, you know, he or he can't come to the NHL then because the Wild is on his right. So I think one thing that does help make the odds a little bit more favorable that maybe Manel does play for the Wild again is that, you know, while the trade talk of Matt Dumba has 
quieted down over the last few weeks. I do think, you know, it's still a definite definite possibility over the next season or so that Matt Dumba is traded, especially with, you know, a lot of the big contracts, the Wilds blue line coming into effect in with guys like Spurgeon and Brody in this year. I just don't know if they'll be able to afford to keep all of those players on their blue line. So, I mean, I think there's a chance that if, you know, Dumba is traded the next year, that there is a good opportunity for Manel to take kind of a second pairing role as a power play offensive type defenseman. And, you know, to, to be honest, I kind of wish he would have just been a little more patient for this year or just waited out because, you know, he could have been a guy that the Wild could use in third pair to, you know, even if he's on third pair, you could play in the power play and still contribute that way. So, you know, again, I don't, I guess I would, I think it's maybe around 50-50 that he ever plays for the Wilds again, or maybe a little higher, like 60-40. But I you know I, he certainly would be a guy that uh, we would all want back in a Wild uniform if he continues this hot start because, I mean, you know, he was an undrafted free agent. He's shown great progress and development over the last three seasons and you know has obviously exploded this season offensively from the blue line in the KHL so he is definitely a player to keep an eye on and uh, coming up next we have just a couple more questions in your mailbag episode you're listening to Lockdown Wild. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever with 18 amazing new flavors such with with six new flavors, excuse me, such as caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and lemon almond cheesecake, you can get the taste in the Built Bar energy bars while also not sacrificing your health. Built Bar is, while also the tasty treat, is great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in delicious treat, and they're low-calorie, low-sugar, and high-protein and high-fiber. There's 19 grams of protein in the peanut butter, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. So while you, while the flavors like, you know, lemon cheesecake, chocolate, you know, all those kind of things, you think, oh, this can't be all that great for you. But Built Bar is actually very good for you. It's very nutritious. You can enjoy something that feels like a tasty treat while also knowing that you're putting something good into your body that will help keep you full until you next eat. And again, just Built Bar, they do great things with Built Bar, Built Go. So please check them out. And if you want... To go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, you can get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And we're back here on Locked On Wild, answering your mailbag questions in a mailbag episode today. Uh, before we get started with the last couple mailbag questions, I just want to remind you to Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Wild, and you can also follow me on Twitter at ZB Wild Nation underscore W. And if you want to ever email in any suggestions, questions, or ideas for guests, mailbag episodes, or any other kind of segment, you can email the show at or email the show at lockedonwild at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to hear from you. Always happy to take your guys' suggestions uh, for anything that you would like to see on the show. And also just remember to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast so that you'll get the new episode every day when it comes out. So getting back to your mailbag questions, uh, the one we got here, our last one, is from Derek Felska at Crease and Assist on Twitter. And he asks, if Kirill Kaprizov has a tough adjustment in his first NHL season, should that alter the term length of the contract extension? Would you offer him a bridge deal so you don't end up with an albatross? You see, this is a interesting, this is part of the reason why it was a bit of a difficult decision on the Wilds' part to sign him this summer when the NHL allowed and burn that first year of their contract, even though he could not play in the first round of the playoffs. And that is because with the first year of his contract being burned off, he has one more year left, which is this next season on his ELC, and then he will be a restricted free agent. 
And, you know, depending on how he does, depending on how weird this season is, how short it is, it, it'll be definitely be very interesting. Because, I mean, like Derek says, I think after this season, he would have three or four years left until he is an unrestricted free agent because of, you know, his age and how long it took him to get over here. So, you know, there's some definite risk for the Wild in saying, regardless of how Kaprizov performs next year or how he produces that, they may want to, you know, sign him to a long-term extension, lucrative long-term extension, regardless, because they don't want to, hey, if we give him a two- or three-year bridge deal and he blows up, then he might say, eh, I'm not good, you know, I'm good. Maybe I don't want to sign, resign back here in Minnesota. And, you know, there's the obvious uh, example of that is Artemi Panarin, who was traded to Columbus. They were all prepared to offer him a huge extension, and he just said one day that, hey, I don't want to play here after this year. So, you know, I think there's definitely some some pressure there from the wild standpoint to after the season, regardless of how good he is to, uh, to sign him to a long-term extension to make sure he does not leave in three or four years after they spent half a decade getting him here. But Derek does bring up a good point in that, you know, if he has a tough adjustment to the NHL season and he doesn't produce all that great in his first year, then, then yeah, definitely. I think there's a consideration for the wild to maybe, you know, give him a two year bridge deal or something, or maybe even one to, you know, give him more time to see what he's like and, you know, potentially not go to his free agent years yet. But personally, for me, I would not offer him a bridge deal no matter what. I mean, again, I guess it depends on, how, you know, when you're talking about underperforming in his first season, it depends on how much he underperforms or how he performs in his first NHL season. I mean, I certainly don't expect him to be, you know, over point per game, you know, all-star stud his first season, but I think it is reasonable to expect, you know, uh, like a 20, like a 25, even I think 30 goal pace, you know, between 60 to 70 points in his first season. Although again, that's not guaranteed by any means. And, you know, just because he doesn't get there doesn't mean we should be disappointed in him or anything or think he's not a great player. But personally, I would not ever consider offering a bridge contract unless he's terrible. Like, you know, even if he perform, even if he puts up like a every other point a game per season over forty eight game season. So let's say he puts up twenty eight points in the forty five games they play or whatever, or something like that. You know, I would st- even then I would still offer him a long term contract because, you know, one it's a weird season. The world is weird right now. Everything is kind of messed up. You know, it'll be probably a tough adjustment for him. So you don't want to. You want to give him the time to adjust and improve his game in the NHL so, that, so he can reach his potential as a top-line scoring forward. And I, know, I get the risk and the worry people have about giving out a long-term contract anywhere from like five to eight years to a guy who has had one, you know, maybe even just meh, okay year. Or even if he just has a good year in his first year. I understand people's hesitation that, yes, it is just one year, but... For me personally, I would, you know, I would never consider handing out the bridge con- bridge contract after next season. I would attempt to sign him to a long-term deal. Now, you know, if he's very good next year, then yeah, no, you sign him up long-term, no doubts about it, you know, as, you know, when you give him the money he wants. But even if he's just okay, I would still give him a, you know, a long-term contract, try to offer him there to eat up some of his free agent years and make sure he doesn't leave the wild in free agency in three or four years. But I think what you can get around that is if he doesn't have an absolutely fantastic year, let's say he's just you know kind of average or just a little bit above that, then you could probably get him at a cheaper cap hit on a longer term deal, which would help alleviate the effects of you know how many many years you give him, whether that's five, six, seven, or eight on a long term deal. So I guess just to wrap up, I would personally not consider the bridge deal, and I would offer him a long term deal after the season, uh, regardless of his performance. You know, unless he's absolutely terrible, which I don't think is going to happen. I think he'll be pretty great in contention for the Calder. But, you know, that's it's a great point Derek brings up. And it'll definitely be a storyline to watch as we head into the next uh, year, next season or so, and see how everything plays out for him in his rookie season. So I think that'll be about it. I think that's all we have for mailbag questions today. Yeah, I think that's it. 
So uh, thanks again to everyone for sending in their mailbag questions today. I always, like I said, I always enjoy hearing from you guys. And again, if you ever have any suggestions, you can just message the podcast Twitter account or me on Twitter and you can leave any mailbag questions you want anytime or any suggestions, ideas for guest segments. Uh, feel free to do so. I'd love to hear you. And just a reminder that you can connect with me uh, at on Twitter at ZBWildNation underscore HW. And you can also connect with the podcast account at LockedOnWild Twitter. And, and you can also email the podcast at LockedOnWild at gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Uh, it'll The show is on any podcast platform that you could probably possibly listen for. So be sure to subscribe and you'll get the latest episode of Locked on Wild as soon as it's available each day. So now go out. I would recommend you go out and check any of the other Locked on Minnesota podcasts, such as Locked on Vikings, Timberwolves, or Twins. As I mentioned last time, they got a lot of great content with the draft, Timberwolves dra- NBA draft and the Vikings season going on right now. So be sure to go check all their podcasts out and all the other podcasts out in the Locked on Network. And I'm Zeke Boyette. And you... I'm Zeke Boyd. I'll see you next week. And you've been listening to Lockdown Wild.